You're listening to The Health Classes You Missed. My name is Monica and I'm a secondary school health teacher with a passion for all things health. Whether you're currently at school or you finished 20 years ago, this podcast will help you understand those topics that may have been skimmed over, considered inappropriate or flat out ignored. So sit up straight, faces forward, let's get into it. Hello everyone. In today's episode, we are discussing the menstrual cycle. This is such an important episode as I know as a young female, talking to my friends throughout my life, we definitely do not learn enough about this in school. So navigating your period, your hormones, premenstrual syndrome or PMS, cramps, contraception, and everything else is so hard, especially when you're young. Today, I'll be giving you straight up facts about the menstrual cycle, about PMS, and about some uh, contraception options that are available in Australia. Now, quick side note too, I don't know what's going on with my voice this morning, but it is a little bit raspier than usual. So please just bear with me with that. Of course, as well, I just want to point out that these experiences are so individual when it comes to your menstrual cycle and your period and things like that. Uh, So if you are concerned or have questions about your period or anything relating to your menstrual cycle, talk to someone close to you, maybe preferably a female or seek help from your local GP. So the structure of this episode, I'm just going to give you some facts about the menstrual cycle, what it is, then I'm going to go through uh, the four phases of our cycle, and they are menstruation, the follicular phase, the ovulatory phase, and the luteal phase. Uh, It also might be helpful for you to look up kind of a picture or a diagram of a uterus. I have posted one on my Instagram at the health classes you missed, uh, just for some clarification during this episode, so you kind of know what I'm talking about when I uh, label specific parts of our reproductive system. So let's get into it. What is menstruation or what is your menstrual cycle? So the menstrual cycle is the natural reoccurring cycle of changes in a female's ovaries, lining of the uterus or the endometrium and the sex organs. Now it begins with the first day of your period and starts over again when the next period begins. And of course the phases in between are the ones that I just touched on in the intro earlier and we will go through those shortly. So your period should occur once per month on average or every 24 to 38 days. That is considered a regular period. Of course, this changes for everyone and I will go into a bit more detail about that later. But the entire point is to prepare the body for a possible pregnancy. So during this cycle, a mature egg is produced by the ovaries, right? And the lining of the uterus or the endometrium thickens to support the possible pregnancy because the egg, when it is fertilized, it embeds within the endometrium or the lining of the uterus. So when it's fertilized, that just means our sperm has met the egg in the fallopian tube and therefore a pregnancy is going to occur. However, when the pregnancy doesn't occur, the egg and the lining are shed. Now, this is explained a bit more in detail later. Again, this is just kind of an overview. So the blood and tissue from, you know, the egg and lining that are shed, they flow from the uterus through a small opening in the cervix and pass out through your vagina. And that is what menstrual bleeding or period blood is. 
So in terms of hormones, when you're not pregnant, estrogen and progesterone levels begin to fall. And the very low levels of these hormones being estrogen and progesterone tell your body to begin menstruation or to begin your period. Now your first menstrual bleed or your first period of your life is called menarche. Now this occurs during puberty and of course is different for everyone. Uh, most commonly it begins at about 12 to 14 years old, but it can actually happen as early as eight years old or as late as 17 years old. And there are many reasons for this. Uh, genetics are a big one, weight loss, maybe an issue with your reproductive organs as well that can of course affect when your period happens. Now, before your period starts, you're likely to see other sex characteristics develop like pubic hair or your breasts start growing. And this could give you an indication as to when your period might actually begin. So that's your first period. Your last period occurs generally between the ages of 45 and 55 years old, and this is called menopause. Now, I'm not going to go into too much detail about menopause in this episode. Uh, that may be an episode for later. However, it's just to kind of give you an idea of how long in your life you are expected to have a period. And that is, of course, the time when you should or you must try for pregnancy or try for a baby. Because, of course, once your period stops, you are unable to fall pregnant. So the first stage we're going to talk about is menstruation, which is what I've kind of just been talking about, getting your period. That is the first stage or first phase of the menstrual cycle. Now with that, again, I just want to reiterate that everyone's experiences are different. So different in variation in length, in bleeding, including color and flow, and of course, difference in symptoms. However, bleeding usually lasts between three to seven days, and most people will lose about 80 mil or one third of a cup of blood in total. Once again, of course, this is totally different for every single person. That's just kind of an average. Now you'll find on your period as well, the first few days are likely to be quite a bit heavier and your period will become lighter as time goes on. So as the days go on, the color is also likely to change. So it can be dark red, light red, brown, even like more of a black color and blood clots are also normal to see. Once again, totally different for every single person. So how do we manage this as females, as women? How do we manage bleeding every single month? As a young person, of course, uh, specifically, it can be really hard to understand or know what the best option is for you in terms of managing your period. And there are a lot of different options now. So to manage and absorb bleeding, you can, of course, use single use products like pads. Now, these come in many different sizes. They have wings. They have larger ones for maybe at night or, you know, smaller ones if you don't bleed very heavily, things like that. And those have a sticky back and that sticks to your underwear, to the inside of your underwear. Now, tampons are another single use product that are also very, very common. Uh, they come in different sizes as well, and they kind of use absorbing technology. So they are actually inserted into the vagina. You pull them out uh, on a little string. Some of them, I know it's quite American, but some of them do have inserters and things like that that you can use. These products, of course, do have instructions on the packets and instructions in the packets to tell you how to use them. 
Now I know generally pads, of course they can be used, doesn't matter what age you are, but they are definitely used more by people who are a bit younger, who maybe don't uh, kind of understand their anatomy in full. So it can be really helpful to kind of either explore your body in that way and kind of understand what you're actually doing when you are inserting a tampon rather than just going into it blind and not really understanding, you know, where to do it, how to put it in. It can be quite a, you know, painful thing for some young people too, especially if you've never had sex or anything like that. Uh, so I would encourage especially young people to kind of explore that, not necessarily having to do it on your yourself, definitely look up, uh, I guess, diagrams and things like that, just to get more of an understanding as to what you're actually doing and where you're actually placing this item. Now, another less common, uh, but definitely becoming more popular kind of product is something called a menstrual cup or a diva cup. Now these are silicon and you put them into your vagina, you insert them into your vagina and then you just pull them out. They've got a little tab on the bottom. You pull them out once they're filled with blood and then you just wash them out and you can pop them back in. So they are not single use. They are kind of more sustainable or environmentally friendly. Uh, and these are becoming quite a bit more popular as well. Another way to manage your period is using something called period underwear. And I'm sure if you have social media or if you've ever shopped at Bongs or anything like that, these products are becoming really, really popular. Now, these are just underwear with kind of built-in pads. Now, they of course come in various shapes, various sizes, various kind of cuts. You also can get kind of, you know, anywhere from a full brief to a G-string in this kind of product. So you can use this when you are maybe on heavier on your period and then lighter on your period as well, uh, depending on what you need to wear and things like that. And again, these are not single use. I believe that they need to be thrown out eventually, uh, but they do last quite a while. And of course that means that they are a bit more environmentally friendly. So that's great. And that's definitely just another good option that is available. You can buy these at Woolworths and stuff as well. So in terms of changing these products or, you know, throwing away these products or the single use ones, generally they need to be changed every four to six hours. When I was younger, I heard up to eight, uh, but I would recommend depending on your flow between four to six hours. And this is just to stop leakage or to prevent infection in some cases. Now there is something that can occur called toxic shock syndrome. So toxic shock syndrome or TSS is a rare but sometimes deadly condition caused by bacteria that make toxins or poisons. And that sounds really, really scary. It definitely used to be a lot more common. So it isn't as common anymore. You are at risk for TSS if you don't change your tampon enough or use more absorbent tampons than you need to for your bleeding. So it is really important to know and to remember when you've inserted a tampon, kind of take note of the time and make sure you do take it out within that kind of recommended time period. So anything inserted, so this includes menstrual cups, sponges, diaphragms, which are a contraceptive device, they may also increase your risk for TSS if left in place for too long. The majority of the time, this is between 24 to 48 hours. So how do we recognize TSS? So there are a few symptoms. You can experience a sudden high fever, muscle aches, vomiting, nausea, diarrhea. You can develop a rash. You can also experience kidney or other organ failure, which is of course very, very serious. So if you are experiencing any symptoms of TSS and you do have a tampon or you have had something inserted into you for a long time, 
remove whatever that is or whatever you've inserted and call triple zero, of course, in Australia, or go to the hospital right away. Now, in terms of the products that we spoke about before, talking to a trusted friend or an adult or, you know, even a health professional about how to use these products and where to buy these products might be helpful for you. As I said, they are all available at Woolworths now. So I know my local Woolworths, there are Diva Cups or Menstrual Cups, there are Period Underwear, and there are, of course, the normal pads and tampons as well. So they all are pretty readily available at supermarkets and things like that. However, these products can be expensive for some people, especially if you are of school age. So it is important to know that, you know, some schools actually do stock pads and tampons for free in the female toilets. So that's a really, really great initiative that started. However, if they don't, they will be available for you at your school nurse. So it's important to know that if you do ever need those single use products in pads and tampons, you definitely should go to your school nurse and they will be able to provide some for you. Of course, when you're young, it can be a little bit daunting to kind of talk about it or ask for these kinds of products, but I would encourage you to not be scared to do that and not be embarrassed to do that because it is literally the most natural thing in the world. If you, you know, most females will experience a period. It is something that we can connect over. It is something that we can, uh, you know, complain about. And it is really important to confide in your friends and to let your friends know that, you know, I'm feeling really down today because I'm on my period. Like that's okay. It does affect your entire body which I am going to talk about symptoms next. So this is a great little uh, leeway into that. So symptoms, symptoms leading up to the menstrual cycle are referred to premenstrual symptoms and they occur during fluctuations in sex hormones, uh, which of course is estrogen and progesterone and the brain chemical serotonin. So recapping that. Premenstrual symptoms occur due to a fluctuation in sex hormones, which are our estrogen and our progesterone and the brain chemical serotonin. Now, of course, I'm going to talk a little bit more about those hormones in a minute. However, symptoms can, of course, vary between people and can vary between each period. Most of the time, people's symptoms are manageable. However, this again is so individual, which of course is why I encourage people to talk about it a little bit more. You know, it's something that occurs mostly every month for most females and we don't talk about it enough. We don't talk about the symptoms enough. We don't talk about how it actually affects us physically and mentally enough. So I'm going to go through a few pretty common symptoms now. The first is experiencing irritability, anxiety, depression, mood swings, sadness, and anger. So this is huge. You can feel like you have really no control over your emotions. And of course, experiencing those more kind of serious emotions of anxiety and depression can be really, really hard. You can also experience a difficulty in concentration and changes in your sleep. So you may find it harder to concentrate on tasks. You may not be able to sleep as well. You may be really, really tired throughout the day, things like that. And this is as your body is preparing to uh, have your period or to begin menstruation. Abdominal bloating is also really, really common as well as cramping. Now these can be mild or they can definitely be more severe. So there's no real kind of treatment for this. You can get a kind of medicine called naprogesic, which is supposed to help with cramps. Most people will just take Panadol, heat packs or baths are supposed to help like the heat on your stomach. However, Females are generally just told to kind of deal with it and get on with it. And I think that is really hard, especially I've only read out, you know, five or so of these uh, symptoms and I'm not done yet. <laughs> so 
Fluid retention is also really common. So of course that can contribute to bloating and things like that as well. You may find you have a change in appetite. So you may find you're craving food that probably isn't that good for you, or maybe you're just craving weird combinations of food that is also really, really common. You can experience constipation or diarrhea. You may experience weight gain around this time. And of course, again, that's generally because of, you know, the bloating and the fluid retention and things like that. Your body is preparing for, you know, to have this period. You may find your skin changes as well. So of course, our uh, menstrual cycle is based a lot around our hormones and acne can occur due to these hormones. Or you may find you get more pimples just before your period begins, which can sometimes occur throughout your entire life. You don't just have to be going through puberty for that to occur. Another symptom is breast swelling or tenderness. So some people find that before their period starts, their breasts grow quite a bit. And it's almost like you go up a few sizes before you start your period. And then once your period's over, it kind of goes back to normal. They can also be quite sore as well. So quite sore to touch and things like that. Headaches or migraines are also quite common as a premenstrual symptom. And you also may find spotting or pain during ovulation, which is a step in the cycle that I will explain soon. So as I just said, talking about all these symptoms, this is just what can occur before your period. You might get one, you might get multiple of these uh, symptoms. It is of course very individual, as I said, and it changes from period to period. So in that regard, if you are someone that does experience these kinds of symptoms, go easy on yourself. Make sure during this time of your cycle, you are actually taking a break and you are letting yourself rest. Your body is actually going through a huge change trying to, you know, get you ready for this pregnancy. And when it doesn't happen, you know, your body's freaking out, they're getting ready, they're shedding things out of your body. It's actually a huge process. And I don't think we give it enough credit. I don't think we talk about it enough. If you are someone that, you know, feels a bit uncomfortable about it, I would really consider talking to the other people in your life that experience periods, the other, you know, your girlfriends, things like that. Uh, It is really, really important to open that conversation about it and make sure that it isn't classified as this taboo topic anymore because it shouldn't be. It really, really shouldn't be. I should touch on here as well that if you are experiencing any of these symptoms really severely, definitely in terms of the cramping or the nausea or the bloating and things like that, definitely seek professional help from, you know, a medical professional because there can be other underlying conditions that are causing you to have really painful experiences when you do begin your period. A lot of the time, these things are really normalized and I don't think that they should be. You should definitely seek help, seek assistance, and you may find that there are other things going on. So that is really, really important to note as well. In terms of helping the other kind of milder symptoms, you know, Panadol is great. The heat pack that I mentioned before as well, and just making sure you get some rest and that you, you know, if you do feel like eating that food that you want to eat, do it be nice to yourself, take a break. And I know that's not always possible with work and with sport and things like that, but it is important to recognize that your body is actually going through quite a process. So be nice to yourself. And also if you've got a partner going through it, if you've got a mum, a sister, be nice to them too. Because if you're someone that doesn't experience a period, it can be hard to empathize. And of course, with anything, it can be hard to empathize if you haven't experienced it. So just, you know, if you are someone listening to this that doesn't experience a period, be nice to the people that do, especially during those first couple days. 
So now we're going to go through how long this cycle is. So a typical menstrual cycle is 28 days long, but remember that each woman or person is totally different. So the menstrual cycle length might also be different month to month as it can be impacted by so many things like diet, stress, jet lag, even working night shifts, exercising or taking the morning after pill, uh, which is a pill that you take if you've had sex with someone and you don't want to get pregnant. Uh, these things can all affect your cycle. Now, as I said before, periods are classified as regular if they come every 24 to 38 days. So just to clarify, this is the time from the first day of your period to the start of your next period. That time should be between 24 and 38 days. Now, some people actually find that their periods are so regular that they can predict the day and time that their next period will start. Other people can predict kind of the start of it over a few days and can determine this through symptoms. So of course you could experience, you know, a, a bit of cramping, things like that. And then that's your body kind of indicating to you that your period might begin shortly. It is really important to know how to keep track of your cycle and to understand, uh, you know, when your period is going to come, especially if you are someone that isn't using either contraception and you're having sex, or you just want to gain a bit more understanding about this process of your body. So as I said, it is really important to understand your period and your body and various apps can actually help. So uh, a really good one is the Flow app. You also have your health app on your iPhone. I'm sure there's a version of this for Android and Google users as well. Now these apps just help you track uh, kind of your symptoms. So whether that's cramping, headaches, moodiness, they help you track whether you're late or early, whether your period is heavy or light, whether you had to miss days of work or school, whether you know your period was long, whether it was shorter, uh, your energy levels and more. So if your periods are regular, tracking them will help you understand when you ovulate, uh, when you are most likely to get pregnant and when you expect your next period to start. So that's really great. And that's important, especially for people maybe trying to get pregnant or people who are not trying to get pregnant. If your periods are not regular, uh, tracking them can help you share any problems with your doctor or nurse. So doing this and kind of keeping track of that process, if you then go to a medical professional, which you should if your periods are not regular, this can help them kind of determine maybe what is going on. And of course, if you have a period pain or bleeding that causes you to miss school or work, tracking these symptoms will help you and your doctor or nurse find treatments that might work for you. Severe pain or bleeding that causes you to miss regular activities is definitely not normal and should be treated. So if this is you, seek help from your local GP or see a gynecologist. There are, of course, a lot of resources available online as well. So women's health and girls health government websites are great resources. I can link these in the show notes below for you too, if you want to check those out. Now, before we get into the phases of the cycle, I just want to touch on hormones and the menstrual cycle. So the menstrual cycle occurs because of a complex relationship between hormones from the brain and ovaries. The pituitary gland in the brain produces something called a luteinizing hormone and a follicle stimulating hormone. And these two hormones promote ovulation. So this is when an egg is released from the ovary and they stimulate the ovaries to produce the sex hormones, estrogen and progesterone that I've talked about a bit already. These hormones, estrogen and progesterone, stimulate the uterus and breasts to prepare for possible fertilization and pregnancy. 
And once again, as I touched on before, fertilization is the sperm going into the egg, producing the baby. I will cover that side of pregnancy and how that whole situation works in a further episode as well. We're halfway through the episode and that means that it's time for a brain break. Take 30 seconds now to reset, recharge and breathe. Okay, let's get back into it. So let's talk about the four phases of the menstrual cycle. So of course, the first one was menstruation, which we've talked about. And that is, of course, when the lining of the uterus or the endometrium that uh, has been thickened in preparation for pregnancy, the egg comes down, it's not fertilized. So it comes out through an opening in the cervix and through our vagina and that is what we call period blood or having our period and we of course can manage that using different products and things like that the second phase is called the follicular phase now this starts on the first day of menstruation and ends with ovulation so on average it lasts around 13 to 14 days so you'll notice then that the menstruation phase and the follicular phase actually occur simultaneously So at this point, the menstrual phase is occurring in the uterus, whereas the follicular phase is starting to occur in the ovaries. So this is from the start of the period until the ovulation period. So of course, if you haven't looked at a diagram of the parts of the internal female reproductive system and what that looks like, I would really, really recommend doing that before you kind of listen to this part because otherwise it's it's a lot easier to understand when you can kind of visualize it. So... This phase is called the follicular phase because during menstruation, so during that first stage of menstruation, we just talked about how they occur at the same time, the pituitary gland releases product of a hormone called follicle stimulating hormone. Now this follicle stimulating hormone stimulates the growth of around five to 20 follicles in the ovary. Now, each one of these follicles contains something called an immature egg. Over approximately 10 of those 13 to 14 days of this cycle, one of those follicles called the dominant follicle will mature into an egg while the others break down. This maturing follicle then produces estrogen, which stimulates the lining of the uterus to thicken in preparation for pregnancy. So that's that cycle. Let me recap it again. So it starts on day one of menstruation. So this is when our endometrium lining is thick. Of course, if an egg is not fertilized, the low levels of estrogen and progesterone result in us menstruating or having a period. Then during that menstruation, the pituitary gland increases the follicle stimulating hormone. And this means that about five to 20 follicles grow within the ovary, each containing a mature egg, On day 10, one dominant follicle matures into an egg and the others break down. This maturing follicle then produces estrogen again, stimulating the uterus to thicken for pregnancy. 
and the cycle continues. So we've gone through menstruation, we've gone through the follicular phase, and the next phase is called the ovulatory phase. So this phase begins with a surge in something called luteinizing hormone and ends when an egg is released. So this lasts about 16 to 32 hours. The ovulatory phase lasts about 16 to 32 hours. Now this surge in this luteinizing hormone stimulates the mature egg that is also called an ovum to rupture from the ovary, which means it's just to break from or to burst out of the ovary. This process is called ovulation, which is something some of you may have heard of before. Now, during ovulation, estrogen decreases, progesterone increases. So during ovulation, estrogen decreases, progesterone increases. The ruptured egg or the ovum then funnels down the fallopian tube towards the uterus by waves of kind of small hair-like projections. So looking at a diagram, you've got, you know, your, your little ovaries, you've got one on each side. You also have the fallopian tubes, one on each side. The egg bursts or the ovum bursts through from the ovaries, runs through the fallopian tubes, runs. I'm not sure whether that's the right word. It kind of funnels down the fallopian tubes, I should say and heads straight for the uterus. So of course, this egg or this ovum is wanting to be fertilized and it would make sense then that you are most fertile in this phase. And this phase is when you generally will fall pregnant. So you are primed for pregnancy, essentially. There is a myth though that you can only get pregnant during this short phase, but you can actually fall pregnant after having sex on any day of the fertile period. So about five to six days of the month. So you would say this is just before, during, and just after this ovulatory phase. And the sperm cells during this time will meet the egg or ovum in the fallopian tube. The egg will then embed into the uterine lining or the endometrium. However, this is all relating to pregnancy and of course, once pregnancy occurs. So I will do another episode regarding this entire process as well. It's just important to understand that this phase is when you are most fertile and you are most likely to fall pregnant. So of course, if you are someone who maybe isn't using uh, methods of contraception, it might be really, really important to know when you are ovulating, whether you are trying to get pregnant or whether you are not trying to get pregnant. A question a lot of people ask as well is how do I know if I'm ovulating? So your body, you actually do have symptoms to tell you that you may be ovulating. Uh, a very common one is your resting temperature can fall slightly and then rise again. So your temperature can be taken on a special thermometer before you get out of bed as a form of contraception. Now this isn't advised. I will talk about other methods of contraception as well. Uh, however, it does work for some people. Another way to tell is a change in your vaginal discharge. So your cervical mucus can sometimes become clearer and thinner, sort of like looking like an egg white of some sort. Uh, so that could be another indication that you are ovulating. You can also experience tenderness in your breasts or bloating or cramps. So if you are in this phase of your cycle, you know you're not menstruating at this time, you know that it's not a symptom of menstruation. It could be a sign that you are ovulating. 
And once again, very important to understand this, very important to know this and know how to track this cycle just in case uh, either wanting to get pregnant, not wanting to get pregnant, or just to understand how you're feeling overall and why you may be feeling a certain way during a certain time of the month, as well as, you know, understanding more about why your discharge may be the way that it is at a certain time and things like that. It's all about just knowing why your body is doing the things that it's doing at the time. Really important. So the final phase that we're going to go over is called the luteal phase. Now, the luteal phase begins after ovulation and lasts about 14 days. And this is, of course, unless fertilization occurs. So if you're pregnant, the luteal phase doesn't actually happen. Now, during this phase, the luteinizing hormone and the follicle stimulating hormone, those levels decrease. So during the phase of ovulation, we know that uh, our luteinizing hormone kind of increases really rapidly. Now in the luteal phase, that begins to decrease. Something else that happens is that ruptured follicle or ruptured ovum is left on the ovary after ovulation, and it forms a structure called the corpus luteum. Now this produces progesterone and a small amount of estrogen. So the egg that's left on the ovary after ovulation creates a structure, the corpus luteum, and this produces progesterone and a small amount of estrogen. Now, this combination of hormones causes more thickening of the lining of the uterus to prepare for possible implantation. So your endometrium, that will thicken so that if an egg was fertilized, it could then implant in the wall of the uterus. So from the time of ovulation, the lifespan of an egg is only around 24 hours. So that means that for pregnancy to actually occur, an egg must be fertilized by a sperm within that 24 hour period. If not, then pregnancy is just not possible. So it actually is quite a small window where people can actually get pregnant because the egg's lifespan isn't that long. Now, fertilization is more likely when sperm are actually present in the reproductive tract before the egg is released. So most pregnancies occur when sex has occurred in the couple of days before ovulation. And that's because sperm can actually live for up to 72 hours. So it's important to know that as well, that if you've had sex, it doesn't necessarily only have to be in that window. If you are having sex and by sex, I guess in this sense, I mean uh, penis in vagina where someone is ejaculating into a vagina or sperm somehow gets into someone's vagina through the cervix and into the uterus to meet the egg. It can actually, you know, if, if someone has ejaculated into you as a female, it can actually occur later because sperm can survive in not only your vaginal tract, but in your cervix and uterus as well. So very, very uh, good to be conscious of that. I will do another episode on pregnancy and on those kinds of things as well, but just thought I should touch on that now too. (laughs) So if an egg is fertilized, this is called an embryo. So once the egg is fertilized, if the sperm does meet the egg, the egg, uh, you know, is still in its lifespan, it becomes fertilized, the embryo then implants into the lining of the uterus. And that begins to produce a hormone called human chorionic gonadotropin or HCG. Now, HCG is actually what's detected in your urine when you do a pregnancy test. 
So another little quick tidbit is that when you are, maybe if you do fall pregnant, you take, you know, one of those pee sticks, those pregnancy test sticks from the supermarket and you wee on it, you will be able to tell if you're pregnant or not because it, it recognizes the HCG in your system. And this usually has to be about 10 days after conception. So that is actually how you find out generally whether or not you're pregnant. So that is of course, if pregnancy does occur, that's kind of how that works just very simply. If pregnancy doesn't occur, however, the corpus luteum, so it never turns into an embryo, the sperm doesn't meet the egg, none of that happens. The corpus luteum, degenerates and levels of progesterone and estrogen decrease. And then of course a new menstrual cycle begins. So all that endometrium lining or that uterus lining that then begins to shed, your menstruation begins again, and that's you having a period. So that's kind of that four step cycle. You can start with menstruation where of course you have your period, you, the lining sheds, you, you know, maybe last for about seven days, five to seven days for most people. You then get to your follicular phase. And of course this kind of happens during menstruation as well, uh, but it's kind of getting you ready to fall pregnant. So you've got that follicle stimulating hormone and that stimulates about five to 20 follicles in each ovary. Each of these follicles contains an immature egg, etc., etc. Then for the third phase, we've got the ovulatory phase, and that begins, of course, with a surge in that luteinizing hormone. That's when we get that mature egg. It, uh, you know, ruptures from the ovary, and our estrogen decreases, our progesterone increases uh, and it's waiting so that we can fall pregnant and then last but not least we've got the luteal phase that we just went over and again what happens in this phase is obviously determined by whether or not you are pregnant but of course if pregnancy doesn't occur the corpus luteum will degenerate and levels of progesterone and estrogen will decrease and a new menstrual cycle will begin your uterine lining or your endometrium will shed and you will have another period and of course, as I mentioned earlier, this happens every single month. So that kind of 24 to 38 day period for most people until, you know, as young as eight years old up to 45, sometimes longer than that for some people. So it's really, really important, as I said, to be educated about it because you are as a female going to experience uh, having a period and going through your menstrual cycle for a really, really long part of your life. So for the final part of this episode, I'm going to go through some common menstrual problems that some people may experience. Now, I have touched on a few of these already in terms of symptoms, but there are a few more kind of medical conditions that can actually occur from or can be recognized through menstruation and through your menstrual cycle and through tracking it and things like that. So one problem that can occur as a part of uh, menstrual problems or premenstrual problems is depression and anxiety. So I talked about this before in terms of symptoms. This is quite problematic for actually a lot of people right before their period starts. And this is due to a rise and fall of hormones. So they can feel, you know, quite out of body, quite depressed, quite anxious, a bit nervous, not really like themselves. And as I said, this isn't uncommon. So of course, this is another reason why it's really, really great to track your period and to make sure that you know kind of what phase you are at each month so that if you are feeling this way, at least you know, okay, maybe this is just my hormones fluctuating. Maybe this is just because I am, you know, 
pre-menstruation and it may help you kind of feel a bit better about it, uh, feel a bit more clear about why it's happening and therefore able to help yourself a bit more. Another problem or kind of disorder that occurs is called premenstrual dysphoric disorder or PMDD and three to eight percent of people will experience this. So it occurs during the ovulatory phase and the luteal phase. So again, that premenstrual time and it can make people feel depressed, withdrawn, again, very anxious. It can also affect them cognitively. So, you know, they can't concentrate. They have trouble doing things that normally they wouldn't have trouble doing. But this is less common. However, it is still very serious and it is very kind of debilitating for those people who do experience it. Another common problem is asthma. So usually about four days before menstruation due to progesterone and estrogen decreasing, this can affect people's asthma and make it worse. So that's also something to recognize if you do have asthma and maybe there are times in the month where you're feeling like, oh, it's getting a lot worse. Uh, your period or your menstrual cycle could be the reason for that. IBS is the next one. So IBS is irritable bowel syndrome and people have reported that their symptoms change during certain points of their cycle uh, as symptoms are kind of worse with the falling hormone levels. So IBS, that just means that you either have trouble going to the bathroom. So you might be constipated, you might have diarrhea, you might experience really bad bloating and stomach cramps and things like that. So that if you, if you do have IBS can be affected by your cycle as well. Another kind of common problem to do with your menstrual cycle is amenorrhea, which is actually the absence of menstruation. So this is when someone misses a period for six months or longer. Of course, an easy cause of this is pregnancy. For those of you who don't know, you don't get a period when you are pregnant, of course. But there are other reasons that this could occur. And this includes, you know, chromosomal or genetic problems with the ovaries or the ovaries ability to hold eggs hormonal issues or imbalances, structural problems with reproductive organs or maybe missing parts of reproductive organs, and body weight and exercise levels are also a reason that this might occur. So if you are quite underweight, you are less likely, I guess, for some people to experience a period. Now, if that is you for any of these reasons, or you, know, you do have a menorrhea where you've began a period and then you haven't had one and you're not pregnant, you should see a doctor, uh, go to your local GP, ask them about it, maybe be referred to a gynecologist if that's necessary, uh, but definitely go and get that checked out if that is you. Another kind of problem is something called dysmenorrhea. So dysmenorrhea is when you experience painful periods. Now this could be without a specific cause and that's referred to as primary dysmenorrhea or pain caused by reproductive disorders. And that could be something like endometriosis, fibroids, things like that. And that is classified as secondary dysmenorrhea. So this can occur or mainly occurs due to a chemical imbalance, which can cause contractions or severe cramping. And of course, once again, if you are thinking about this or listening to this and going, that sounds like me, please, please, please go see a doctor, go see your GP. Having severe pain when you are on your period is not normal and you should go seek help if that is what you are experiencing. Now, another problem, which is another kind of confusing word, but this is menorrhagia. So we had dysmenorrhea and now we've got menorrhagia and menorrhagia is bleeding that lasts for more than seven days and it's really heavy. So if you have a period and it's really, really heavy, which means you've got a lot of blood coming out, 
and it's lasting for longer than that kind of seven days that we would say is kind of regular or normal, you should also seek help from a medical professional. This can be caused by uterine problems, hormone problems, or other illnesses. Can also be caused by growths or tumors in the uterus that aren't cancerous. There are various treatments for this, so you can be prescribed anti-inflammatory drugs, oral contraceptives can also help, as well as the hormonal IUD. But once again, if you feel like this is you, please seek help from a medical professional. Don't take any of this as gospel. Make sure you go talk to someone who is a professional in that field. Some other kind of disorders that can, I guess, be recognized or come about due to menstruation or the menstrual cycle. There's one called endometriosis, which is a painful disorder. And it means that the endometrium lining that is normally in your uterus grows outside of the uterus and can cause really severe scarring and things like that to your other organs and to other parts of your body. Another one is PCOS or polycystic ovary syndrome. And this causes missed periods. It can cause hair loss depression, it can cause acne. It's also very painful in terms of bloating and cramping and things like that. I am actually going to do full episodes on these two disorders. So maybe one for both of them, endometriosis and PCOS or polycystic ovary syndrome. However, once again, if you kind of listen to those symptoms or, you know, if you are someone that gets really, really bad cramps or really, really bad bloating or too much bleeding, things like that. If you go to a doctor, you may be diagnosed with one of these. They are quite uh, common now these days. They weren't really recognized a little while ago. So it is important that if you are experiencing those really painful periods or that really, really heavy bleeding or anything like that, do not normalize it. It's not normal. You shouldn't have to live like that. Please go see a medical professional and get the help that you need. So for the final small, small part of this episode, I am going to just talk about contraception options for your period. I am going to include information regarding contraceptives in a safe sex episode. However, I will cover a few just quickly now as well. So I probably won't go through kind of the full symptoms, etc. I'll just talk about kind of the most common little parts of each of them. So there are many, many options in Australia and I'm gonna <laughs> ramble on about this again, but please go talk to your GP or health nurse for more information for you. Do not take anything you see online, hear from, you know, a random or a friend or even listening to a podcast as gospel. Please go and find what's going to work best for you because all of this is so individual and that is really, really, really important. So the first one I'm going to talk about is something called the contraceptive implant or the implanon. And this is a small plastic rod that's actually placed under the skin of your upper arm. And it slowly releases a low dose of progesterone, which stops your ovaries from releasing an egg each month. So this actually can stop your period altogether and it lasts about three years. So over that three years where your implanon is implanted in your arm, you probably will not experience a period. The second option is something called the contraceptive IUD. Now this is placed in your uterus and there are two main kinds. There's a copper, which lasts about five to 10 years or a hormone releasing IUD, which lasts about five years and that is called the marina. 
So what this does is it stops sperm from reaching and fertilizing an egg and it changes the lining of the uterus so that an egg actually cannot implant. So you might be asking, how does it get into your uterus? It is inserted and has to be removed or should be removed by a doctor or by your gynecologist. Now, this can be quite a painful experience for some people, especially if you haven't given birth. So if your uterus hasn't ever kind of had to be opened in that way, that can be quite painful. So it is important to, of course, if you are gonna go down any of these routes, really discuss it properly with your doctor or gynecologist. In terms of the difference between the copper and the hormonal IUD, the copper can actually make your periods heavier and the hormonal can actually stop your periods altogether. So of course, as I said, depending on what you need is what you will get as your contraception option if that is what you want. So the last option I'm gonna talk about is something called the contraceptive pill. Now, there are many, many different kinds and brands of the pill. The first one is they're called combined pills and they're taken daily. Now, of course, they have different doses and hormones depending on the brand. So again, talk to a professional about what's going to work for you. How the combined pill works is that it stops the ovaries from releasing an egg. So if you take it and you continue to take it, you can actually skip your period. That's how that works. It just has to be taken daily, uh, not necessarily at the same time. Now, the mini pill, this is a different kind of pill and it's a synthetic form of progesterone only so it only contains one hormone and the mini pill makes the fluid at the opening of the cervix thicker to stop sperm from getting through the uterus so it kind of just acts like a plug that's how that works now the mini pill must be taken every day at the same time and once again you can choose to skip your period or have your period month to month so you actually have that choice it's also important to know that none of these methods that I've just talked about stop you from getting STIs during sex. So this is kind of a different uh, topic, but no method of contraception that I just spoke about will stop you from getting a sexually transmitted infection if you are having sex and you're obviously using it for contraceptive purpose not just to manage or, you know, not just to manage your period or some other kind of disorder that may be occurring because of your menstrual cycle. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> and once again, if you do, you know, listen to this and think, oh, I want to try something, go to your doctor, talk it through, find what the best option is for you. Of course, using, you know, Google to do some of your own research on these things can help as well if you want. And now you know the name of a few of these things. Talking to your friends also helps in terms of just getting uh, some experiences. But end of the day, your decision has to be based on what is going to work well for your body. So remember that, please talk to a professional. Of course, all of these things, you do need to be prescribed them anyway. So instead of going in and kind of just saying, I want this, make sure that you do discuss all of the options available. Of course, again, as I said, I will go through these in a lot more detail in a further episode regarding contraception. This is just kind of a little breakdown um, of how they can help you kind of manage your period. That is all from me for today's topic. If you enjoyed this episode, please click follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And I'm also available on Instagram at the health classes you missed. I hope you all feel more informed about the menstrual cycle and how it works. Remember, if you have any questions or need to seek advice, please talk to your local GP or gynecologist. I hope everyone has a great day. Stay safe and I'll be back in your ears very soon. See you later.